FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 367 of the podcast that goes snicked. <laughs> that very faint snick in the background was a very under the weather Denise, but I am your host, Jason Venable, and um, it's time for our almost last episode of 2019. Not quite, maybe. Well, the other one may come out, I don't know if it'll come out in 2019, but it'll still have, I don't know, anyway. This is mostly... <laughs> no! <laughs> if you can hear that, she was asking about uh, if we weren't going to watch movies anymore. Um, until we see answers almost assertively never any movies ever. Because who has time for that? <laughs> yes, we have children, not movies. <laughs> But yeah, um, most of the books for 2019 we're going to talk about. Um, of course, we'll also meet again. There'll be some holdover books I'm going to save for when I uh, get together back with the Excalibros um, for Dawn of X. But I'm relieving them of some of the books. Um, and we'll talk about those here as well as some other kind of random Wolverine appearances. So we're going to start off with the Dawn of X books that the Excaliburs don't like. Um, that's going to be X-Force and Fallen Angels. <laughs> Wait, so did they tell you they don't? Do you no, I'm letting... The, no. Alright, so for the dead air that you just heard, <laughs> Denise is asking if they volunteered not to do these comics. And I volunteer... I'm read between the lines. <laughs> And they'll probably we'll probably mention them very shortly, but we won't do like a synopsis or anything. So we're going to start with uh, two issues of X Force. We have issue number three, and right after that, as the logic might dictate, will come issue number four. Um, issue number three is "Pain Don't Hurt," um, which is obviously a song by Poison from 1989. Um, <laughs> Is written by Benjamin Percy, art by Joshua Casera, colors by Guru Effects, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and designed by Tom Mueller or Mueller. I'm not sure, but I like his design, so I'm sorry. And hopefully one of those was right. Um, cover is by Dustin Weaver and Edgar Delgado. Production is by Nick Russell. Um, on this cover. We have some cool pink swirly stuff and then some not so cool disproportionately leggy Jean Grey. Almost like a like someone broke a Barbie doll. That's what it kind of looks like. Like tried to pull the legs off or too far apart. Anyway, she has her cerebral helmet on and the wind is trying to blow her skirt up. But it can't because um, comics code. <laughs> Um, no, the comments code is defunct. It used to be one. Um, but yeah, I don't really 
the colors are nice, but other than that, I don't really care for this cover. Which is weird. It's been a weird trend of Dustin Weaver's a great artist, but I don't like his X Force covers. This happened three times in a row here. Um, anyway, so in this, we go back a little bit to where the bad guys are, are skinning Domino alive. They're peeling her flesh off and adding it to their test tube soldiers so that they can invade Krakoa without being detected. Um, it's their, their pass in. Bless you. She sneezed. Um, then we go back to Seoul, Seoul, South Korea, North Korea. Wait, I don't remember. South Korea, right? Sure, she says. Um, where Logan, Wolverine, and Clinton Choir have invaded the, the base of the bad guys and they found Domino in the test tube. Um, Clinton Choir is understandably very mad. Logan is also pretty mad. He says, oh, I'm pissed as hell, but trust me, the professor knows exactly what humans are capable of. The same as mutants. And so, you know, Wolverine's not getting too bit out of shape. This is just kind of the way everyone behaves when they're bad guys. Um, but he busts open, he pops his claws, cuts open the tube, lets Domino out. Half her face and some other skin is missing, her arm. And then we see a super monster soldier, and it attacks. And uh, Wolverine and Quentin Quire carry the spirit domino away. And we go back to Krakoa, where we have found a functioning Cerebro. And Jean and Beast are going to try to bring Professor S back. And they do. In a very, uh, what's that movie with uh, Michael J. Fox, Frighteners? Where the DVD cover is like a stretch skin and the ghost is trying to come out of the cover. That's kind of what it looks like as Professor X breaks through the egg um, and is resurrected. And then um, we see some more fighting as Wolverine's trying to fight the, the big muscly monster. Um, and then Domino's like, the power inhibitor is on me. So Wolverine cuts it off with a snicked. And then Quentin has his powers back. He makes a TK bazooka and shoots the monster, blows his jaw clean off. Um, and we go back to the healing gardens where um, we have uh, Sage and Healer um, trying to bring this, heal this guy so they can get some answers. He's one of the assassin attackers. But there's someone on Krakoa that doesn't want them to be found out. So we have a, a bad guy on Krakoa. A mole for the bad guys anyway. And he puts his big old brownish green hand over the assassin's feeble body and suffocates him. And leaves him to die on the bed of leaves. Um, so we find out that he dies. Magneto and Black Tom are going to have a press conference uh, kind of to announce Professor X's death. And they're trying to figure out what to say and from off panel a voice, you don't need to say anything. And Professor X walks through the crowing gate and says, I can speak for myself. And he does. And he basically says, um, you know, I'm fine. And the news people say, what if you're a shapeshifter or an illusion? Or how do we know they really resurrected you and you're not just fake? And he goes, 
Is that question any more relevant now than it was before? I mean, we're, we're mutants and superpowered people. That could have happened. I mean, look at Secret Invasion. <laughs> Happens all the time. So maybe you're asking the wrong question, he says. Um, so uh, Quentin gives Domino like a uh, telekinetic like body cast that she can kind of use to, to move around and the uh, place goes boom the lab self-destructs or the base self-destructs and we go back to Krakoa the point where Professor X is officially banding together X-Force for you know the task that the nation in Krakoa cannot be associated with like a black ops team the CIA of mutants they say um, and then we meet our kind of court of owls kind of bad guys they we have the peacock guy and his horde and they are xeno like as in xenophobia and that's their little cabal and professor x wants to take the fight to them and they want to take the fight to him so it's a mutual we're gonna fight each other thing going on um the art was okay in parts. Um, the monster guy looks kind of appropriately ugly. Some other people maybe look not as appropriately ugly. <laughs> I don't know. The art's still kind of not necessarily to my taste, but it's not terrible, I guess. Um, the story I thought was kind of interesting. Um... I mean, it was good to see like them find Domino. Uh, this one actually wasn't my favorite. I'm gonna like four a little bit more. Spoilers. Um, uh, like in between a two and a three. I like that Wolverine's like not too fussed and doesn't make too much. I like the mutant human divide, so to speak. Like Quentin Quire's like, oh, I can't believe the humans did this. They're so terrible and. And Logan's like, well, I mean, there's bad mutants, too. Like, there's good people everywhere and bad people everywhere. And kind of, I mean, he has the experience to kind of back that up, right? He's seen, been around a long time, seen a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I think the art's going to kind of maybe drag this into more of the two out of six territory. Um, that's going to take us to number four. X-Force number four. Um, I do, I mean, I like the idea, I guess. I don't like that it's necessarily so dark. But I do like the idea of, like, if this is, if Krakow is like a government in a nation state, they need some kind of, like, intelligence branch. So I like the idea of X-Force being that. I don't like the idea that it has to be the uber-violent branch all the time. But, um, anyway, uh, X-Force number four is an eye for an eye. Um, I believe everything is the same except for... Dean White is helping out on the colors this time. Uh, this cover is actually okay. It's probably the best X-Force cover of the four so far by Dustin Weaver. Um, we have Domino shooting a gun and Sage on some minority report like hollow computing type stuff. Um, it's not bad. It's the best of the four. I'll leave it at that. Um... So here we have like a Xavier Pharma Pharmaceuticals. It's pharmaceuticals but with an X and with the Z. Um, and it's off the eastern seaboard. It's one of the uh, 
distribution sites and we have some underwater like Navy SEAL um, soldiers but they're not US but they're they're SEAL type soldiers and they're invading the uh, the base and they're able to kind of melt their way to the floor and they attack a multiple man um, shoot him up full of bloody bullets and very grotesque kind of scene um, we see at the Grove in Krakoa guys Xavier pontificating about Hercules and how he needed help um, and then um, we see Sage, Jean, and Beast go to the pharmaceutical base and Jean has kind of a new power twist here she's able to kind of telekinetically recreate the past so that other people can see it so she kind of combines the telepathy of reading the last thoughts of a multiple man before he died because Jamie Prime was able to reabsorb the memories and then she uses telekinesis to kind of show our other heroes like like a, almost like a 3D holographic representation with her powers. It's kind of a cool use of her powers and combining them. It's interesting. Um, so I see what happens, but Jean says, you know, it, it hurts to to have to relive, relive this through multiple men. And they try to figure out what was going on and what they're trying to steal, but Sage is like, you know what? They were trying to steal from our mainframe. Um, the aim is financial. They tried to assassinate Professor X. Probably we bring him back. But in the meantime, they're stealing information about our drugs and attacking our shell companies. And here's where we find out that Professor X is filthy rich um, and has his hands in all these companies. And then we go to the Hellfire Club. Or no, I guess it's just back to the Krakoa, one of the councils. But we have uh, the White Queen and the Black King and Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister and Storm. And they talk more about the mutant CIA idea. Mystique's kind of like, ah, that's gross. We don't need to do that. And Kurt's Nightcrawler's like, well, we just need a moral compass at least. Um, and then there's uh, there's the armory with Forge and uh, Wolverine and Quentin and Domino go to get some new weapons. And we find out they have an adamantium reserve, which makes sense because it answers the question. How does Wolverine get his adamantium back when he's resurrected? And it's because they have a lot of adamantium laying around and they give it back to him. And what I'm assuming is a horrific experience. Actually, I think they do it in the egg. But anyway, um, there's there. And um, he says, oh, well, since you have this, I need you to build me dot, dot, dot. And we don't find out what it is because uh, they get called away to action. But not before Forge can give Domino like a new like bioweapon that's made out of like Krakoan root technology you know like roots into your nervous system kind of like a almost like giving her a, a Groot arm but it can shoot stuff um, it can also be a sword or a gun or an axe or you know whatever it needs to be but they get the message that it's time to go and so away they go um, and we see that uh, there's a San Francisco base and it has just been attacked and so our heroes are going to run through the gate but these people have managed to hack the gate and right as they're going through they close it which cuts Wolverine in half and cuts Quentin's head off 
So the art is still kind of meh. Um, I said I like this more. Now that I talked about it, I'm not sure that I do. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I like the idea, right, of of this group, this kind of terrorist take group, but attacking Xavier and the mutants kind of where it hurts. Like there's some political intrigue kind of involved. I mean, it's kind of uh, it's kind of basic, I guess, but I don't know, I like the idea, I like the idea of the X-Men arguing over whether there should be a Black Ops team, but, you know, there's going to be one anyway, because Xavier deems it. Um, I don't know, I thought this was a very solid 3 out of 6 clause. I like Wolverine in it. I like him and Forge kind of bantering together. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's definitely the darker, grittier book. We see multiple men get riddled with bullets and blood splattering everywhere. We see uh, Quentin get decapitated and Logan cut in half. Which, you know, I'm assuming Quentin's dead. He'll have to be resurrected. I don't know if Wolverine is necessarily would, would die from this. He could, like, grow some baby legs. Um, but maybe he would rather be resurrected. I don't know. Which, you know, I saw some stuff on some of the Facebook pages, which... And I don't remember who, so I cannot give proper credit, and I apologize. But, um, someone was talking about, like, you know, the implications of the resurrection, and, you know, like, when Wolverine, would he rather just kind of be, be if, if, a person, if a person gets so hurt, you almost mercy kill them, because you know you can just bring them back. So, like, like if someone gets paralyzed, or Wolverine loses his legs, like, and they'd rather just die and then be resurrected back to the regular body than try to deal with, like, you know, learning how to walk again or, you know, going through healing. And then someone also brought up a point, like, what if, what if one of the X-Men and one of the mutants kill themselves? Does Xavier, like, override their obviously choice of, like, not wanting to be resurrected, but Xavier resurrects them anyway? So I think there's a lot of, like, ethical and moral questions that I hope these X-Books explore with the ability to kind of automatically resurrect people from Krakoa. Um, I don't know how deep they'll get into that stuff, but I thought it was very interesting. Um, and hopefully they'll... You know, X-Force is the kind of book that I think they could explore that, and then get past just kind of being gritty, <laughs> intentionally violent, and dark, and maybe actually explore some kind of ethical questions. I think this would be a a good place to do that but anyway I I know that I'm in at least somewhat in the minority because this book is selling really well and I think people are really enjoying kind of Percy's take on on X-Force and and to be fair I'm glad I'm glad that people are enjoying it um, books are for different people I'm not sure this book is entirely for me um, there's parts of it that I like and parts of it that I don't um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of it is the art. I'm just having trouble getting into it. Um, some of it is I think we're just kind of barely scratching the surface of the ideas that I really like in the book. And I'd like to see more... I mean, let's just let's be very transparent. This is my podcast with my opinions. I'd like the book to cater more to me. <laughs> and it doesn't. <laughs> and that's okay. Because it's catering to other people. And I'm glad they're enjoying it. I'm kind of... Mediocre-ing it. I'm in, I'm enjoying it okay.
Um, so let's go to a book I'm not really liking at all. Um, Fallen Angels 3 and 4. Um, the Lame Duck Angels, because this book is getting um, either canceled or interminably put on hiatus, as we have seen Quinn is going to show up in the um, Hellions, and then Kid Cable has a solo book coming out. Don't know what that means for Laura, but the, the two out of the three characters in this book... I cannot talk tonight. Two out of three characters in this book are going somewhere else in early 2020, and we know that the last solicited issue is issue six, and uh, Hill has said he'll be taking a break from the book and may come back to it later. I'm going to guess probably not. Um, I don't think people are really responding well to this book, and you can count me among those. Uh, number three is The Language of Conflict, written by Brian Hill, art by Simone Kredansky, uh, colors by Frank Diamarta, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, uh, Tom Mueller again with the design, the cover by Ashley Witter, um, and Nick Russell doing production. This is my favorite cover of this series so far. I really like the color work, lots of pinks. Um, we have Psylocke or Quanon in front, or Quanon probably is more right, in front, unsheathing her sword and either her daughter or younger self in the background in a kimono and a practice sword um, with cherry blossom leaves, you know, kind of flowing around them. It's a nice cover. It's very kind of Asian influenced and it, it looks really, really, really cool. So we see, remember that our our Fallen Angel Strike Force team of Quanon, Cable, and X-23 have gone to South America, Brazil, to find an a, uh, clock, clock, overclock factory, and they meet this giant robot eye, and they're going to fight it. Um, Cable runs off and gets captured. Um, our team wants to save him, but they got to take out the robot first. Um, we get a double snick that barely counts as Laura jumps up and fights the robot. She knocks it down. She smells something. She's going to kill it, but Psylocke stops her with her the focused totality of her telepathic powers and a dagger. Um, that's been kind of a cool panel. One of the few in the book. Um, we, but we find a kid inside the robot. And Laura's like, oh, well, thank you for not letting me kill that kid. I would have I really regretted that. And... Psylocke looks inside the kid, and they, they see Apoth. Um, miles away, Apoth is interrogating Cable and says, Join me! And he's like, No! And he gets shot in the back of the head with some metal thing. Um, then um, some stuff happens, and get really terrible art. Like it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, Quanon lectures X-23 on how to fight, which kind of makes me annoyed. Because um, I'm pretty sure X-23 could hold her own. And then we meet what I'm guessing is maybe Apoth. It's actually the coolest page of the book. Because it's kind of like a skeletal, insecty pirate robot with spikes and stuff. And it looks very kind of horror movie-ish, or horror comic-ish, 
very macabre. It, it looks pretty good, but it doesn't really save the issue. Um, I don't like X-23's characterization in this book. Uh, she's regressed a lot. We've talked about that before on previous episodes, and just really, really bugs me. Um, that just the way they're they're playing her in this. So, one out of six claws for me. Number four, um, same creatives, I think. This is Death Machine. Um, only difference is the cover is by David Nakayama. And here we have X-23 and Kid Cable running away from an explosion of people. It's okay. It's not bad. Um, so here we find out that Apoth is created by Quanin, um, and she just wants, he just wants to be loved by his mom. And so he's called Psylocke to him, but he wants to take over the world and blur the line between people and technology. He was an AI that Quanin would sit by the hand to destroy, but when she massacred all the people and went to the door to kill it, he made a voice of a child, and so she thought there was a child inside, so she turned away and walked away. But he was just an AI in there, up in there. He tricked her. But he grew into an entity and gained sentience and all that stuff, like, you know, typical Terminator stuff. And eventually, like, overtook some robots. And then at the end, she has, like, a light vision that may or may not be Aboth. I don't really care anymore. One out of six claws. Um, so, Wolverine is also in a comic, where's my, where'd my phone go? Um, this comic is on my phone, because I don't have the physical copy, and I seem to have misplaced my phone. Oh, here it is, hiding in the blanket. Okay. Sorry about that. So, um, the next comic we're going to talk about is Gwenpool Strikes Back, number five, which has a little guest appearance by Wolverine. Um, this is written by Lee Williams, art by the astounding David Baldion, uh, colors by Jesus Arbatov and Kuru Effects. VCs Joe Caramania does the letters, um, Elena Strikes and Judith Stevens do the cover. And on the cover we have Gwenpool Strikes Back. A cool logo with the strikes back and a sword, but it's crossed out and written in pink paint and goes home. And instead of having a cover, like, <laughs> I mean, it's a cover. But instead of having, like, a, um, drawing, a drawing, Hello, my name is Simon. I like to do drawings. Um, we have a photograph of, I don't know if it's a model like by Marvel or like just a cosplayer, but it looks really cool. Um, it's a nice costume. Um, I really like the pink uh, Adidas and then the shin guards. It's a really nice look. And anyway, it's just this person in a Gwenpool costume sitting on a ledge and some greenery behind her. But it looks really cool. It's a nice cover. Very, very good. If it's a cosplayer, then... Big kudos if Marvel paid someone, like, had the costume professionally made. It also looks cool, too. But I kind of hope it's just a cosplayer that Lee Williams knew or saw a picture of and said, Hey, be on my cover. 
because I like that idea. Um, so I've not been reading this series. But I know that we pick up... So Gwenpool, uh, if you don't know, is a person from quote-unquote our universe who got sucked into the 616, but she knows it's really a comic book. And her powers are to, you know, do comic booky stuff. Like run across borders and mess with panels and break the fourth wall and stuff like that. Um, you know, so like Deadpool, but cuter? I don't know. More endearing, adorable, adorbs, I don't know. Anyway, so her her series, she's trying to find a way to not get cancelled so that she can still exist as she's kind of decided to stay in this universe. But the Hulk is after her and she's fighting the Hulk. Um, and she wants to fight Miss Marvel, but Miss Marvel won't fight her. She says, I'm your friend. And she's like, no, I want to fight, but, you know, it doesn't really work out. So they talk. Um, she tries to avoid her emotions, and then she realizes that she kind of recounts. And Miss Marvel has this idea, hey, you're not really from a world. We're not really comic book characters. We're real. Um, I think you're a mutant. And when your power manifested your way to deal with it because you have like some kind of obviously like reality warping powers and your mind couldn't deal with it so you invented this idea that you came inside a comic book and that's that's the way your reality power is kind of shaped it's an interesting idea um and there's some really cool color work done here as Gwing is really upset by this idea and uh, we do see her in the quote-unquote real world with a uh, 90s X-Men poster on her wall, which has Wolverine in it, but that's not the appearance I'm talking about. Um, But she's like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe I am a mutant. And we get a couple of really cool pages with some really brilliant color work. And she decides, you know what? F it. I'm going to go to Krakoa. And then when I'm not really a mutant, that will kill me as I try to go through the gate. But, maybe through her own mystical powers of retcon, she's able to pass through the gate, so she has made herself a mutant with her powers. Um, which is an interesting idea. I really kind of like... It's a very smart book so far. Um, but, man, th these two pages of her kind of going through the panels and going through the gate look amazing. There's some really cool color work and background stuff going on. Highly recommend checking them out. But when she gets to Kakoa, she's very surprised to still be alive. And then that's where she meets Wolverine. I really like that Wolverine's there to like greet her and be like, hey, whatever you've been through, you're safe here. He's like, you okay, kid? Like, I, I like the caring Wolverine. I know that doesn't jive with maybe the X-Force Wolverine we just talked about, but I really like Logan as like, you know, wanting to help and being, like, welcoming to Krakoa. I like that she jokes about, <laughs> I'm just another young girl for you to take under your wing as, like, an uncle-type figure. Um, it's funny. And then she sees Quentin, of course, who she dated in the West Coast Avengers, and she's sad and happy to see him because she had broken up with him to push him away. And he's like, uh, what's going on? And he's like, I'm glad you're okay. And she's like, yeah, I am. I guess I'm a mutant now. And she kind of runs around Krakoa, realizes that she's not going to be canceled, but even if she, this book does end, 
you know, she needs to stay in a good place so the next writer can use her well. It's a smart book. Um, I like the little uh, House of X, Powers of X, Dawn of X, like text page. Um, it gives a, a breakdown of Gwen Pointer powers, and there's a pink sticky note that says, P.S., you can't control me and I will never die. And she says, you know, if you like this book, we can relive it every time you read it. I'll always be here waiting for you. And then she walks into like a pink, like Looney Tunes, like, you know, the concentric circle at the end of Looney Tunes, the target, whatever you want to call it. And that's it. Um, Very clever book. Will I go back and read the other four? Yeah, maybe. Whether I'm Marvel or Limited, I will not go buy them, probably. But, um, I, I don't know, I really enjoyed it. It was funny, it was smart, and it's a gorgeous book. I mean, David Baldione is, is a great artist. Uh, the colors here really, really pop with uh, Jesus Arbatov and Guru effects. Um, very well done. I'm not necessarily a Gwenpool fan, um, so I didn't really jump on this series. Maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't, I don't know. But um, enjoyed this issue a lot. Um, you know, Kelly Thompson's take on her in West Coast Avengers was good. It was funny, but she was a part that I enjoyed, but the part I enjoyed least of a book I really loved. So, I don't know, pull kind of eh, but I I really enjoyed this issue. That was really good. Um, I'm going to give Gwenpool Strikes Back number five, five out of six claws. So there you go. Um, next up, we have a Wolverine appearance in Venom number 20, which is, I guess, the epilogue to Absolute Carnage. Um, this is written by Donnie Cates, uh, art by Ivan Coelho and Zay Carlos, colors by Rain Barreto, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles, cover by Kyle Hotz and Dan Brown. And the cover kind of has like a, a split face of Venom and Carnage, and it's really gross and slobbery, and it's fine. Um, so basically, we're kind of coming to the end of Absolute Carnage, and we see that the Maker escaped, um, and he kind of recounts Absolute Carnage. We get a flashback that includes Wolverine, and the hero is fighting the Carnage symbiotes. And he says, what I didn't realize, though, was the powers that Dylan had. And he's like, it's interesting. And he, he's talking to someone. And he says, I happen to have collected a sample. A blood sample from Dylan. And um, I think it may allow us to cross through the dimension safely again. And um, he talks about how whenever there's a new like evolution in the symbiote, there's, there's always a major event. He talks about Infinity Gauntlet and Civil War and Civil War Two and um, you know Absolute Carnage. It, it leads to the changes in the symbiotes, and maybe he was trying to collect the wrong thing. But with Dylan's blood, he may have a solution to his problem. Uh, then we see Wolverine and our heroes are still with Eddie Brock and Dylan, who just realized that Eddie was his dad, and he's like, um. Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird, but... And we get a really touching scene. He's like, um... He kind of stops and says, Why didn't you want me? Why did you leave me with your father? Um... 
he hurt me. You were out here protecting all these other people, and he was a bad guy. Why didn't you protect me? And Eddie, you know, they both start crying together. Have a good hug. He says, I'm sorry, but I promise I'll protect you from now on forever, forever and ever. It's a really touching scene. Um, I haven't been reading all of Venom, so I don't know the whole background of who Eddie's dad is or why, what he exactly did to Dylan. I kind of don't want to let my imagination run wild there. Um, obviously, it's something that really hurt Dylan, either physically or emotionally. Um, and with the idea that Eddie's like, I, yeah, I messed up, but I want to try to make up for it. I mean, I can only imagine. Um, so that scene was really touching, and the art's really good. Um, but he says, no more secrets, and Dylan's like, yeah, no more secrets, except for you know the fact that I can just control and destroy symbiotes. I'm not going to tell you that just yet. <laughs> but, um, but he's like, well, let's talk about something else. Can we talk about my mom? And Eddie's like, yeah, let's do that. Let's talk about her. I'll tell you some stories about her. You know, of course, she's not. She's no longer here. Um, she passed away. So, again, my favorite part of this book is the dynamics between Dylan and other characters. You know, as Norman o- or Normie Osborne, and then now as Dad Eddie. Um, definitely the best parts of the of this book for me. Um, so we find out that you know he's going to use some of the symbiote in Dylan's blood. Um, and there's a symbiote from his universe, which is the ultimate universe, still intact, and he thinks it'll work, and we find out he's talking to the Council of Reeds, and so that's their plan. Um, art, really good. Uh, story, pretty good. I mean, it's kind of a wrap-up issue that, again, really focuses on Dylan as a character and his characterization, which is good. Uh, Wolverine just kind of hangs around for a minute. It <laughs> doesn't really do anything. Um, I'm going to give Venom 20 a very solid 4 out of 6 claws. Alright, next up we have The Amazing Spider-Man, number 35, Doomsday. Um, written by Nick Spencer. This art is by Oscar Balzadua. Or Bazaldua, maybe. Um... Colors by Steve Furchow. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Cover is by Tony Daniel and Edgar, Edgar Delgado. I really like this cover. It's Spider-Man fighting an army of Dr. Doom bots with white space in the background. Um, it's really nice. It's really cool. Um, so remember Doom, someone attempted to assassinate Doom, so he's really pissed off. He's holding New York for ransom. There's a vague connection to the 2099 story. Um, but Spider-Man is trying to figure out with his sister how to save New York. Um, there's a, a plot involving the chameleon um, who's trying to help his business partner regain uh, Simcaria from the dying Silver Sable. Um, now... Spider-Man's sister, Teresa Parker, has some history with the chameleon, and she's ready to kill him. Spider-Man's like, no, we need him, and they have a plan, and the plan is for the chameleon to go try to talk to Doctor Doom and say that everything's okay. Um, They use this light thing that can see 
the multiverse to try to predict how Doom's going to react. And of course, we see another shot of Days of Future Past. That's our Wolverine barely there appearance. And so, in this option, the option is that Doom's going to blast them all. And I won't lie, I kind of got uninterested in this story a little bit. Um, this 2099 crossover goes along with the Absolute Carnage stories being my least favorite parts of the Nick Spencer run so far. That I've otherwise been enjoying quite a bit. Also, the art in this one, while I liked Oscar Bizaldua on Rogan Gambit, he's doing a little more subdued art in this book, and I didn't like it as much. Um... I don't know. Uh, I'm going to give Amazing Spider-Man 35 3 out of 6 claws. So that's going to take us to King Thor number 4. The last of Jason Aaron's run. This is it. The big finale. Um, so this is... Where are the credits? I had them a second ago. Shoot. Or maybe I didn't. Where did they go? Uh at the end yes sorry um what is the spirit of thunder written by Jason Aaron the main art and cover by Isad Ribic main colors by Ives Zorcina but then we have lots of guest artists Gabriel Hernandez Walto with Chris O'Halloran Andrea Sorrentino with Dave Stewart Chris Burnham with Nathan Fairbairn Nick Patara and Michael Garland, Aaron Cooter and Laura Martin, Olivier Coppel and Laura Martin, Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson, Mike Del Mundo, all the letters of Ravisi's Joe Sabino. Um, so this cover is pretty cool. It's got three generations of Thor on a boat. It looks good. Um, so we have like the main ending of the main story, which is All Father Thor in the future defeating the necroplanet Gore, um, and he does that by embracing the spirit of the storm. Um, some really cool art as he fights through the darkness as Loki sacrifices himself um, by telling Gore stories of how the gods will never die, and that weakens him. Then we get a kind of segue into the Omnipotent City library. Um, we meet or reacquaint ourselves with Shadrach who's, who's go, going through some books of Thor and sees lots of different stories. There's like a future Thor cop story. Um, that's the Andreas Orantino pages. They look really nice. Um, there's a panel inside a hammer. It's cool. Um, you know, one of these stories is also like all the alternate futures coming together or whatever. And we see uh, Jason Aaron's Phoenix Wolverine from the future. Um, so that's our Wolverine barely their appearance. Um, we see some other stuff like modern day Valkyrie. Um, I mean, it's cool. The idea that like the gods live on in the stories that are embellished by the stories and at the end, in the very far future after Thor is one, Gore is on a planet where he's happily with happy gods and we're left to say is this paradise or is it own personal hell? And then we go back to Midgard and we see the entropy is coming, and Thor 
bequeaths Mjolnir to his granddaughters and gets on his Viking spaceship and rides into the Entropy to beat it with the, the thunder. And on the planet, people are like, you hear the thunder? That's how we know that God is still fighting for us. And let me tell you a story of Thor. And it's just the idea, kind of like the Loki miniseries, um, just this idea of the power of story. And the way it ties into the story of Thor and the future of Thor is really, really cool. Almost all of the art, with maybe a couple of exceptions, is just majestic. Uh, Rebix art is always great. But most of the guest artists also do a really good job. I really enjoyed this. Um, it's a nice conclusion in Jason Aaron's epic Thor run. It's been years um, in the making. And this is his, his goodbye. And it's really, really nice and sweet. And, and honors kind of the way he tried to tell the stories. Um, I'm going to give King Thor number four, six out of six claws. Definitely the best thing we talked about on this episode, I think. Um, last but not least is the History of the Marvel Universe number six, written by Mark Wade, pencils and colors by Javier Rodriguez, inks by Alvaro Lopez, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, the cover by Steve McNiven, Mark Farmer, and Maury Hollowell. And here we kind of have our new characters busting through the page, kind of like uh, um, the classic ripping through the co cover. cover. Um, so we have Doom and Thanos and Kang and Ultron in the background, and busting through the page are Black Panther, Captain Marvel as Carol Danvers, Miles Morales Spider-Man, Jane Foster Thor, and Miss Marvel. So kind of the future of the Marvel Universe. Um, so we're at the end. Um, Franklin, Richards, and Galactus are bleeding over into the new universe. Galactus is starting to resolve, but he wants to finish his story of the Marvel Universe. He talks about the Infinity story, where Thanos comes back, the introduction of Ms. Marvel, uh, Original Sin, um, let's see, what are our Wolverine pages? Um, you know, the legacy heroes after original sin, we see Jane take up the hammer, uh, you know, the, uh, um, superior Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Verse, we even get, like, uh, Secret Wars, um, just some really cool art, really cool panel work, um, we have kind of a Champions page, which includes X-23, um, I mean, I like the idea. It also includes a Spider-Gwen. Then we have IVX, um, which of course has Old Man Logan. Um, we have, uh, um, what was the, a Hydra Cap story? Um, Secret Empire, yeah. Um, and then the Return of the Fantastic Four, um... You know, we have even the new stuff like Hoxpox. And then we get a great double page spread of Galactus, like showing possible futures and stuff. Um, which is pretty cool. Um, and great color work, great art. Then we see possible futures like 2099 and Days of Future Past and Deathlock and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, like the original version. Um, the. the 
Um, the Hulk guy. Uh, what's his name? I don't remember. Maestro. Yeah. Uh, Apocalypse. So, all this stuff. And Galactus passes his helmet on to Franklin Richards and says, Remember, all these heroes, they go with you into the new universe. You can tell their story. Um, remember what they've done. And everything kind of fades into white. And that's it. And it's a great ending. This book has been fantastic. Um, I'm going to give History of the Marvel Universe number 6 another 6 out of 6 claws. So, that is going to do it for this episode. Um, it went much longer than expected, though still under an hour, so that's okay. Um, hope you enjoyed it. Um, ended on a high note with some really good books, maybe less Wolverine per se, but um, you know, that's okay. So, uh, next up, will probably either be more Don of X talk with the Excaliburs or a varied flashback episode with lots of different stuff in it <laughs> from 1991. So I'm not sure which one will be next, but one of those will be next. Um, so yeah. So thank you for listening. Uh, you can always like the Facebook page for the podcast that goes snicked. Twitter is at snickcast. And, um, yeah, I guess we'll also have the Wolfie Award Show soon as well. So that'll be on the very near horizon. And I'm trying to work out something cool for Infinity Gauntlet. So all that's kind of coming down the pike. So, um, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snacked. <laughs>